Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we're here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. We have a huge, 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 I can't even describe how huge of an upset that we had with Nebraska taking down Purdue. I know my man Burke here, loved to see it. He was having a good time. Every time Burke comes on, he has to come on and say some nice things about Purdue. Hey, man, as down bad as I was after that Rutgers game, like, I, I needed something. And uh, shout out to the Huskers. Thanks for delivering. (laughs) Uh, Rake Mask and uh, Tominaga, man, they they saved us from uh, from a bad night. So um, we're going to talk about it. And honestly, Purdue fans, just just accept it. Okay, listen, I have given your team praise all year long and they've deserved it. And they still are a top. I've come on here giving them nothing but praise. They're a great squad. And there's still praise to be given after this game, so there will be praise given yeah. as well because Nebraska is is just a, a good basketball team that, that made things happen. But we'll get into it more. I'm just telling you, don't come in here and say, oh, these guys are haters or anything like that. We have the receipts. We've been nice. I don't know about Alec because Alec hasn't talked about him yet, but we'll see. We'll, we'll gauge him a little bit uh, before we get going. So, uh, but before we do that, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys, and uh, tell people about your podcast. Burke, why don't you start us off? All right, I'm Burke White. I'm the host of the Often Daunted podcast. It's a one-man operation. You're looking at it. And uh, yeah, usually it's just a fun recap, hopefully recapping a Hoosier victory. But uh, unfortunately, this Rutgers game, man, it was it was a miserable watch. It was a miserable episode to record. And uh, yeah, we are bearing it. We're moving on. Um, but uh, we're going to bring it up here in a bit. So Plenty of thoughts, plenty of thoughts, I'm sure. Yeah. So, Alec, uh, tell the people about you, where they can find you at. Yeah, uh, I'm Alec. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Pikes Place podcast, along with my good buddy Mike, of course. Um, you might recognize me from football season, also host of the What's Chopping podcast. Uh, but now I'm here to talk basketball, too. Football will still be around, of course, because that never ends. Football never ends. But basketball, predominant sport here. Feeling really good about the uh, about the win uh, you can find me at AlexCR12. It's my my Twitter. That's right under my name. And then at Pikes Place Pod on social media, too. That's where you can find us. And Pikes Place Podcast on all your podcasting platforms. We'll be sure to have an episode up soon about this win because it's a big one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, first first conference win of the season. It's a great time for you to make your debut on the basketball episodes for the Big Ten Huddle, and we appreciate you being here. Uh, all three of our podcasts are brought to you uh, by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. Alec is with the What's Choppin', like you said, and also his basketball with the Pikes Place, and uh, and Burke over there at Often Daunted doing great work for the Big Banter Sports Network. Uh, go check us out over there. We appreciate that, and if you're watching on YouTube, please do give us a like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Uh, the basketball episodes have been doing fantastic. So if you're watching, you're liking, uh, and comment your thoughts as well. If there's something that we say that you're like, hey, I think that was right, uh, or if you know you're a typical internet person and you just want to go off and say we said something wrong, that's fine too. I don't care. Whatever you want to comment, tell us we're wrong, tell us we're right. Uh, it's all good to me. And if you're listening on podcast, please do subscribe and give us a rating over there as well. All right, guys, let's get into it. Our very first game we have talked about Nebraska 
takes down Purdue. Kasai Tamanaga scores 19 points. Rank Mass also uh, a wonderful defensive performance against Zach Eady. Uh, and I think that was kind of the story of the game. Fred Hoiberg schemed up things really well with the Nebraska defense. And Matt Painter just never really had an answer for it. Zach Eady never really had an answer for it. Uh, as great as this team is, they are going to run into some things every now and then uh, where the team just is not going to be able to overcome what was going on. Now, they did at times. There was kind of some comebacks here, comes back there. But every single time Purdue came back, it felt like Nebraska just kind of got hot, went off. Uh, and even though it was a 16, right, 16-point 16 win, yeah, a 16-point win, uh, it was closer than that throughout the game. Nebraska, like I said, just kind of pulled away there at the end. Uh, Burke, I'm going to give you the floor first to talk about the Boilermakers and the Huskers. What were your thoughts? Hey, my thoughts to all those Boilermaker fans out there, guess what? It, it's okay to lose at Nebraska, okay? You can trust me. It's okay to lose at Nebraska. This is a solid Nebraska team. That is an awesome environment they've got going in Lincoln. Um, that being said, there is no pain like losing when you're the top-ranked team. It, there, that that pain, is it's the absolute worst. And uh, just ultimately after the Rutgers game, like I said, I mean, I, I just followed that down Rutgers game into this slight uplift that was seeing Purdue get upset. Um, but in that game, man, Nebraska's ability to shoot the ball, just spread the floor, rink mask, uh, just having to have Edie guard him, that spreads the floor in itself, opened up the lanes for all these guards just to have a day on the inside. Um, and yeah, it, it was a nice palate cleanser. For me to get to see that but uh again i i do feel for the purdue fans i i have a brother who's currently a senior at purdue and uh, i i root for them to have success but losing when you're losing when you are the top dog there is no pain like it there's a certain team that i wish would have lost when they were the top dog in football a couple days ago but we won't get into that right uh <laughs> we won't go there uh i will say that you know this is this is just kind of the time of year where uh, you know, top ranked teams fall, right? I mean, Houston fell yesterday as well. Uh, Tennessee fell today to, um, uh, Mississippi State and not very, you know, good Mississippi State team. They fell to them. So, um, it's not like this is the only, you know, Purdue's the only team this is happening to. Um, oh, yeah. So, hey, on that note, props yeah. to the 76 Hoosiers. They get a pop champagne again right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like it was just, it, it was one of those games where Nebraska came out, they were hot, they had a good game plan. Um, and quite frankly, Fred Hoiberg, he was just the better coach in the game. I felt like he made the better decisions. He rocked with his guys. He trusted his players. Uh, and it really showed. Alec, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, I got to uh, gotta give a big shout out to the uh, fellow unranked uh, Purdue Reapers that wear red jerseys, of course. Um, feels like it, it feels like it's a whole thing now. Northwestern wears purple. That's a shade of red. It counts. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you guys have been saying. I mean, Tominaga is just a star at this point. Uh, I mean, yeah, rank, rank Moss looked great, especially on defense against Zach Eady, which is not easy to do. I know Rutgers makes it look easy sometimes, but it's not easy to guard him. Um, I will say, I, I feel like I, I watched this game last year when Nebraska came to Jersey Mike's Arena where it was just nothing could go right for Rutgers, even whenever they would get back in the game. 
you know, Nebraska would hit a couple shots. They just kind of pull away a little bit more. You know, it's just one of those games where it's like, no matter what you do, just can't get things to go your way. And you know, it's not like they played a, a terrible game. Um, I thought Purdue played a pretty good game, but Nebraska just played a better game and Nebraska's coming to Rutgers next week. So that'll be an interesting test to see how they play. But I'm very impressed by Nebraska. Uh, the Cornhuskers look really good right now. They're really firing on all cylinders, even when, you know, maybe some things don't go right here and there. I, I'm really impressed with them so far. And yeah, I like Berkstead. It's, it's okay to lose as the, it's, it's okay to take a loss here and there. The big 10 is a great conference, not as good as it was in the past, but it's one of the most physical out there. They're going to play some good basketball. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the live chat right now. I know Frank just said, yeah, 60% from three. And that's what I found really funny when Purdue posted the final score on their Twitter. They of course included the, the little note that said, you know, Nebraska shoots 14 for 22 from three as they, as they defeat us. And I mean, you just got to tip your hat to, yeah, it's, it's just insane. You got to tip your hat to an absurd three point shooting night. Well, and also too, you have to look at the three pointing, you know, obviously three pointing, that's a great basketball term there, the three point shooting, um, you know, Macy Gillis obviously did his part, right? Five for 10 from three, like he came in and and he was hot. Um, But Fletcher Lawyer, only 21 minutes in this game, Matt Painter kind of pulled him early and I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking too much about it, but, you know, Matt Painter said something at the Big Ten um, tournament last year where he said something about how Fletcher Lurk's confidence maybe wasn't there completely. Now, I'm not trying to say that Fletcher Lurk is not a confident kid or anything like that, but there was just a small comment about that made, and I'm thinking to myself, like, do you really want to pull him in a game like this if he is a kid who struggles with confidence? Again, not saying he is, I'm just speculating here if he is one of those kids who struggles with confidence you know shoot or shoot do you let him get through the shooting do you let him you know make that happen uh or or did you agree with the pulling of Fletcher Lawyer uh Burke I'm gonna go to you on this one did you agree with the pulling of Fletcher Lawyer or did you think maybe Painter should have left him in there seeing how good uh like Frank like Frank said here most were contested wasn't even mad Tominaga was going absolutely crazy do you leave Fletcher Lawyer in that game just to try to combat a little bit of the three-point shooting that Nebraska uh, w- was shooting so well? I mean, just in short, whenever you're down that much, you leave your shooters in any game down that much. Um, it, it was a bit surprising, but hey, I mean, there's no sense in questioning Painter right now. I mean, it's not March. That's when you question Painter. Um, I, I, yeah, it, Tominaga went nuts. It was a great right. night of shooting for the Nebraska team as a whole. 14 of 20, just an outstanding night. So, I mean, those are going to happen. And there, so, there are some nights where there is nothing you can do. As good as you bring it, if they bring that shooting, like there's just nothing you can do. Yeah, I mean, and, um, you know, Painter put Heidi in there for Fletcher Lawyer. Um, you know, Heidi's shooting, what, something like 50% this season. He's not uh, shot the most three-pointers just because he's not had the most playing time. But, um, yeah, I, I, at a certain point, you're right, Burke. When you're when the other team is just shooting so well, sometimes it's just not your night. Um, and, and I think most Purdue fans can say that that just happens from now. And then, uh, which kind of leads me to the other part, and I'll bring this to you, Alec. Zach Eadie struggled. Um, against an undersized rake mast. I know the scheme was good, but you would still like to see Edie kind of work through those things and maybe eventually find himself a little bit more. Uh, the scoring wasn't too bad. You know, he did get 15 points, um, but only seven rebounds. Um, that, that, 
should Purdue fans be concerned about Edie getting kind of schemed up here and not being able to be himself in this game? I would say I wouldn't be too concerned. Obviously, you know, it's not great when your star player, national player of the year contender struggles and is not up to his usual self. But at the same time, you know, while while Fred Hoiberg schemed up a really good game, you got to trust Matt Painter to scheme up a, a, an alternative game plan uh, for when teams, you know, go to some of these. I, I, I like to bring it back to Rutgers because I feel like they've done a really good job of defending Edie and Purdue the last couple of years for those, you know, switch heavy, double heavy, trap heavy, you know, type of defensive looks. And I think, I, I think you got to trust Painter to, you know, keep trying to dial up some of those looks and Edie's going to get his no matter what. So you, I feel like you're never going to have to worry about him being completely shut out of a game. And I think you still have to trust, trust to go to him. He's going to have his off nights, obviously, you know, he's a college basketball player. Nobody's ever perfect. So I, I think you just got to trust him and Painter to really write the ship and get back on board. And yeah, I mean, like you guys were saying, sometimes it's just not your night and the other team is just on fire. So I, I think you got to trust the process and, you know, just got to keep keep doing what you've already been doing because it's worked really well so far. And, you know, maybe you know tweak some things here and there, obviously. Um, you know, there's a reason they lost this game by double digits, even if it was closer than the score indicated. But I feel like you just got to keep, you know, trusting Painter to scheme up some better looks. He's a great offensive coach. There's no doubt about it. So we'll see what they do from here. I think you still trust Edie uh, to really find his footing and get back into these games and being his usual dominant self. So I, I trust him to still look pretty good. Um, but of course, yeah, like there's going to be teams that are going to try to stop him and have some of these game plans, but not everyone has the, the, the versatility or the guys to do it. So we'll see how it goes from here, but I think you just got to trust them. Yeah. And I think games like this are games that Purdue needs to continue to improve, right? When, when you're so good throughout the entire, you know, regular season conference play and stuff like that, it can be hard to prepare for those tough games in the tournament where maybe, you know, one guy like a Zach Eadie's not playing up to what he normally is. And, you know, hopefully a game like this, I, I, I think most people would agree Purdue's still the favorite, you know, by far the favorite to win the Big Ten this season. Uh, so I don't think there's concern about that right now. Uh, but, you know, it is kind of good to have these things happen with a struggling ED from the, from time to time. Um, I have one more question because I do want to give some love to us. You know, we've, we've talked about him a little bit. I do want to give some love to rank mast uh, because he just, he, he played a phenomenal game. Um, and I think when he kind of, Came into the season, he was seen maybe kind of as a little bit more of a role player, right? Trans- transferred up from uh, sm- a smaller school. I think it was Bradley uh, yep. was the school he transferred from. So, uh, you know, kind of maybe seen as more of a role player. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, look, Tominaga's getting the love. But is Rank Mass really the the star of this team? You know, don't get me wrong. Tominaga has the emotion and, and, you know, he's kind of the fan favorite and stuff. But just by, like, pure skill set, like – is rank mass more of like the star of this team that really makes them work and really makes it happen? And should he be the one that is maybe looked upon as maybe an all big 10 type of player, first team, second team guy, uh, Burke, what are your thoughts on mast? My thoughts on the whole star factor of it is uh, there, you're not going to dethrone Tomonaga just like with his story. Uh, yeah. There's just no doing that. Even if you are the new big 10 Dutch destroyer, rank mast like that's destroyer um it's it, but he just came onto the scene and immediately was a centerpiece for this team and uh yeah it, it is truly astounding that the nebraska cornhuskers have assembled a squad that has now 
lived up into the hype, like into the new year. Like they're really figuring it out. And it is on the back, like as much as it, as much as, as much fun as it is following Tomonaga and just like watching him play the, the success of this team is most squarely on the back of rink mass. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Indiana and Rutgers. Uh, Alec, I know you're excited about this one. Uh, winners go first here. So we're going to let Alec talk about the game first, but before we do, I just want to say um, this, this was Rutgers first conference win of the season cliff amorier was was dominant uh on the defensive end as per usual he just made his presence known the entire game it was it was obvious to every single person out there that he was he was not going to be denied on the defensive end um you know he 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 had his five blocks in this game it seems like the dude's getting four or more blocks every single game and it's just it, it's really really fun to watch um alec what were some of your general thoughts on this game yeah it was definitely a breath of fresh air that was a classic steve pico game where he's going to wear you out on the defensive end and on the boards and i was especially surprised with the boards because this is Rutgers has been a straight up bad rebounding team this year they got i mean they got absolutely owned on the boards by illinois they got out rebounded in the other two big 10 games but against Indiana, they really stepped it up, especially against a team with a lot of length like Indiana. I mean, they got the two bigs in Malik Renew and Khalil Ware. That was what I was very surprised with was how well they did in the rebounding game. And, I mean, I, I know Cliff Amori was dominant on defense with his five blocks, like you said, JR. And the Ken Palm MVP, as it, as it says right here, Mawat Mag, he had a huge game. He's really becoming a, 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 a key option on offense, which is a, a boon for this team because he's usually – one of those guys where he's like a defensive stopper and then he's going to get his every now and then on offense, kind of like a play within the flow guy, but he's starting to hunt his own shot get the ball in his hands. and He's making good decisions, but I want to give a huge shout out to Austin Williams in this game. Austin Williams is the second start of the season. He started to get his playing time ramped back up uh, after having a, a pretty good stretch against Ohio state where he was on point on both ends of the floor. He played pretty well against Iowa as well. Both of them, they lost, but he got the start tonight, and he looked really good. And he really provided a spark to this team that they hadn't seen before on offense. And that's a guy who can get the ball, command the ball, and just break his guy down and get to the rim and put up a good shot. And that's something that Rutgers hasn't had this year. So I have to give a huge shout-out to him. His seventh and final year of college basketball. He's an, old, he's an old guy, but he really put up some good numbers tonight. He's consistent. That's what Rutgers needs right now is a consistent performer. Uh, another guy to look out for, uh, Andre Hyatt. He just every single time it's like within the first 10 minutes of the second half, almost every game he hits two big threes to either put him back in the game or extend a lead that they have. He, I, I talked to him last night after the game. He said he's just a second half guy and, you know, that's what he takes pride in coming out of the locker room. I really think he's uh, fitting it, fitting that role right now. Uh, Derek Simpson didn't have the best shooting night. He's still struggling from the floor, only two for 13, one huge three that put Rutgers up three at halftime with the, I think it was like a, it was midway between the three point line and the half court line. Uh, he just banked it in somehow, but he had some huge free throws made down the stretch as well. Um, Hyde had some big free throws. Mag had some big free throws. Uh, pretty much uh, Rutgers did really well from the free throw line. Uh, I was happy to see that. Um, and yeah, the defense was on point. Um, you know, it wasn't even just a more either as everyone, you know, they would have when Indiana would have the two big lineup out, you know, 
Amori would get the guy that has the ball and then they would kind of rotate and switch out, you know, flash doubles at whoever the other guy is. So if Ware is backing down on the block, Amori would be one-on-one with him. And if you had Renew on the other blocker, he's trying to cut in from the perimeter. They put two guys on him and it really worked well. Indiana just felt out of sync on pretty much every end of the floor on offense and on defense. Um, and I, I will say this, it was, it was an ugly game. It was very, very ugly. Neither team shot particularly well from the floor. Um, so, but I'm happy the Rutgers got the win and it's encouraging that they can get some wins playing like this, even if it's against a team that shoots equally as bad. Um, so yeah, it was very encouraging. And my last note before I hand it off to Burke, I want to say a big uh, goodbye and so long to Xavier Johnson. He got, he got his uh, Jersey Mike's arena. Goodbye getting ejected in that game. And, uh, I, the crowd was not as big as it usually was because for those who don't know, it was a state of emergency in New Jersey last night. There's still floods all around me as well. Um, so it, the crowd wasn't where it usually is, but it was still loud enough. Xavier Johnson got his one last goodbye because this is the last time these two teams play each other. And uh, I will say, as I, I think I speak for all Rutgers fans, we will not miss him. <laughs> Definitely one of those uh, players who just always around, always sticking around. And uh, you're like, oh, man, we have to face this guy again because <laughs> he has some of those nights where he's just really, really good. Um, yeah, I had to go with the Ken Palm MVPs uh, for the the thing here because even this game, I was trying to look at it. I was like, man, who was the MVP in this game for Rutgers? <laughs> because it was just such a balanced attack and there was so much good defense, uh, you know, a back and forth. And, and, you know, this is really the way that Rutgers likes to win. You know, really strong defense, get the offense offense going enough to to score some good points maybe not anything high flying but uh you know that was that was the big thing for them to be able to get the w in this one uh burke what were your thoughts on this game my thoughts on this game uh the nebraska game i was down i was down bad the ohio state game lifted me up a bit you know got a little confidence in their shooting got a little uh confidence in what uh emotion they were bringing into the game and then this one has entirely just deflated me man it, it this was a killer of a game to watch um Xavier Johnson our ultra mega super senior like not a super not a super senior because those would be like fifth year seniors this dude is an ultra mega deluxe super senior six years and he's making some of the most boneheaded decisions you will see on the basketball court it's it is offensive at times like when the team look, wants to look to a captain and they just what he's bringing to the table, it is deflating to the entire program right now. It's inexcusable. Dude, punching a dude in the dick on your drive is straight up sucker shit. That is sucker shit. And honestly, the like Xavier Johnson doing that, I mean, it's... It's it's inexcusable, and uh, even almost just as inexcusable were his him leading the uh, turnovers for the Hoosiers with five out of the Hoosiers' eighteen turnovers in this game, which the Rutgers Scarlet Knights were able to turn into eighteen second chance points. Um, it's that it's uh, the entire team's inability to shoot free throws, four for fifteen on the night. That's four for fifteen on the night and allowing nineteen offensive rebounds, like. Free throws and defensive rebounding, aren't those the first two things that any basketball player learns? Like that that is a that is a that is a flaw on the like foundational level of this team right now. You can't hit free throws. 
How did you get to this level of D1 basketball, power five D1 basketball, and we can't hit free throws? Four for 15. Like, you could go to a sixth grade boys CYO tournament over the holiday. And I guarantee you most teams are shooting like uh, set six or seven for 15. Just any team. It's like sixth grade, seventh grade boys. And it's just, it's incredible. Those, the, the three-point shots that were airballed were, dude, they were works of art with how they were airballing these things. This game was incredible to watch. I, I, it's it's that it's the seven for twenty six from three after we had just started building some confidence in what this team was bringing uh, from the perimeter, and again it is just a year senior, it is a sixth year senior leading this team getting kicked out and and then it just it makes you just retroactively as a fan look back on everything that has happened with him, and then. Uh, just man, it's little shit. Like I'm, I didn't want to be the old dog complaining about stuff like this. But now that he he's out here punching dudes in the tallywhacker in the middle of the game, we need to, like he. There were so many times I wanted him to just put on a IU hoodie on the sideline on the like on the bench, and he, it was like a fashion show sometimes. And like that's not, I'm not being the old crazy you know complainer about Indiana basketball when I'm saying that because like guys, young guys coming into this program who look to spend some time here, like Ja'Kai Newton, who's been out all year, he's wearing his IU gear all the time, man. It, I, can you tell I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little uh, bent out of order from this experience. Was, I'm just letting you go, Burke. Sounds good like God. You, uh, you, you need this more than, uh, than yeah, other dude. people need this. This it, feels but, good. Uh, <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I did. I did want to ask you a question because I'm hearing what you're saying, and, and I, man, I, I'm with you. When when you have a six year senior, like, where where's the leadership? You don't. Yeah. Nobody ever has. Right. We. This is supposed to be at a level of experience that is unparalleled. Right. And it's just anything but. Um. So my question is. You know, is this more on Xavier Johnson not being the leader or is this, you know, more on Mike Woodson, his coaching? You know, is he not holding these players accountable? I mean, certainly the free throws, you know, what four for what was it? Four for 15. How how can you be a coach and have your players go out there and go four for 15 on free throws? I know the players have to make it, but like. What what are you doing in practice? Um, that your guys are only making four fifteen free throws. Um, I don't know. Well, you didn't mention Mike Woodson at all there, Burke. So I'm curious. Uh, do you think this is a Mike Woodson problem? Do you think this is just undisciplined players? Um, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Uh, right now with how they're coming out at sometimes, like it's a program, it's a team wide problem, and that starts at the top. Um, it funnels through Xavier Johnson because he is the mouthpiece of the coach. Like he is the middleman for them in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's something sour, man. And it, it's bleeding through the team right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough out here. Mike Woodson, I I am not in the 
fire Mike Woodson camp as so many no, and I'm not are so hard. quick to jump to. He, he he has gotten us in a better position each year, and he is getting us like guys like Malik. Dude, even if like don't on Malik alone, I want to see what Malik becomes as a Hoosier. So like we, I, if that takes keeping Mike, like I, I'm all for that. Just because the second you fire him, Malik is liable to go to any of the highest bidders because I'm sure he's going to be a commodity someday that everybody will be lining up for. And it's it's just disheartening to see just the manner in which they can come out so often, just flat and just lifeless and just directionless. And that, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yes, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say, it. yes, that starts with Mike Woodson. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I'm not suggesting Mike Woodson should be fired. You know, no. he, he deserves, you know, to be commended for what Kalel Ware has been this year. You know, he's been a very good defender, a uh, very good defensive rebounder. Um, I think he's probably going to be in contention for uh, all Big Ten defensive team at the end of the year if he keeps playing the way that he is. Um, obviously Cliff Morier, you know, has that sealed up right now. If he keeps blocking five shots again, <laughs> um, but it, it, I, I think between him and Malik renew, you can see that Mike Woodson can put these players together and make these things happen. Um, Alec, one more question for you before we move on from this game. Last time we were here, we were talking about, I think it was Rutgers and Iowa. Um, and we questioned, you know, are Rutgers fans, you know, what? Well, where are they at right now? Are they just kind of writing this season out, seeing where it goes, uh, because they know they have two really good recruits coming in next year? Uh, what, what? And just kind of questioning, what are the expectations? I'm not saying that they don't have expectations, but we're kind of trying to figure that out. What would you say is the expectations by Rutgers fans for this Rutgers team this season? Um, it's tough because the expectations have really been changing as the season's gone on. I don't think the expectations are too high right now. I mean, like you said, you got the the star recruiting class coming in next year. A lot of people are, I don't want to say checked out, but are like kind of looking ahead, like, all right, things will get better after this year. And I mean, the, the tough reality is there's not much you can do to prepare or try to adequately uh, address losing your starting backcourt in June. There's just not much you can do to address that. And I think people may have gotten a little bit too, ex- uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say they got too excited because you know, I can't blame people for getting excited, especially with the way Steve Peichel has worked with some of these teams in the past. I, I think the expectations were a little bit too high for some players like a Noah Fernandes who has unfortunately not looked as, um, as strong as he did in, in, in recent years, especially with UMass um, Gavin Griffiths. Unfortunately, I think it's just a confidence and a mental issue right now. He just he has no confidence right now to put anything up. He just needs to see a couple of shots go in, and I think things will get better for him. The problem is his defense just isn't good enough to make up for that. And if you're not playing good defense under Steve Peichel and you're not making like five threes a game, you're not going to play. So I, I think some of the pieces to this team, Derek Simpson hasn't exactly, even, even though he's made big shots and he's been a great free throw shooter, he hasn't exactly taken the leap that people uh, expected him to. Uh, Cliff Mori on offense in particular has been a bit of a disappointment. He just, he's not really a one a on offense. He can't really carry a, an offense like that. He just unfortunately doesn't really have the skill set to do so, especially when he gets the balls, he, when he gets the ball in his hands, uh, still a great defender, but on offense, it's just kind of has, has been a bit underwhelming. So I think the expectations are, 
I think I think they're tempered right now. People are I don't think people are expecting an NCAA tournament berth right now, but if they can keep if they can get some wins in the Big Ten, you'll feel a little bit better because you know you got the great recruiting class coming in, but of course you got to fill out the rest of the roster. And a lot of those guys that are here right now will probably be back next year. Watt Mack will probably be the senior leader on this team. Um, you know, you got guys like Antoine Wolfolk, only a sophomore. Derek Simpson will probably be back. Joe Michael Davis didn't even talk about him before, but he's looked really good so far, especially for a freshman. That now going into the season, nobody really knew what his role was going to be. Some people were talking about maybe redshirting him. He was going to be one of those reserve guys, but he's been really good. Uh, really good friends with Ace Bailey too, so that should be fun. But yeah, I think I, I think people are are they're they're not really checked out, but they are excited to see what next year comes. And anything positive that happens this year is kind of like playing with house money. At least that's my kind of view on it. Obviously, people still care, and they're going to come to games, and they're going to make Jersey Mike's Arena one of the toughest places to play in the country. But it's not like you know, it's not like this year is like ride or die because they're still next year with the uh, recruits that they have coming in. Yeah, it's kind of the sense I got was you know, it's like everything that happens this season like yes you think about this season but it's also like well what does this mean for next season right <laughs> you know not to say that anybody's given up on this season i i don't think that's accurate uh but there's always that thought of like what's coming next because we are going to have a really good team next year especially if we keep players around uh which you know is always a question as any Rutgers fan knows after like you said losing losing your backcourt um what was it in June uh or whatever it was whenever it was so uh we'll, we'll see what happens there but I, I like this win for Rutgers and, and for Rutgers to get it their way uh you know Burke I have in-laws who are IU fans and uh they they are very passionate about free throws. So uh, I heard yeah, all about yeah, we we we've never been more passionate about free throws. Yeah, I heard all about it. So it's, it's uh yeah. it's a wild one. But all right, well, let's get on to our next one, dude. It is a fundamental factor of basketball. How can you not hit free throws? <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, Ohio State just missed a whole lot of free throws, but we'll talk about that game after this one. So. Yeah, sorry. Continue. <laughs> Next I, game. I'm right there with you. I'm like seething while watching this Ohio State game. I'm like, make your free throws, darn it. Um, but yeah. Northwestern conquers Penn State and they get a win on the road, which, you know, is really, really hard to do in the Big Ten, but they were able to make it happen. They were down quite a bit in this game, uh, but obviously they, be they they came storming back. They were able to make the plays that needed to be made so that way they could come back and win this one. Uh, they were down by eight points at, at the half, and then in the second half they had, I think, a 15-0 run that really gave them the lead, and they never really relented from there. Boo Booey had a had a good game uh you know 17 points five rebounds eight assists just filling up the uh the the box score there as you do expect for boo booey to do but all in all this was this was just a resilient northwestern team who was able to come back on this penn state team kanye clary is obviously a wonderful player uh ace baldwin struggled a bit in this one from time to time uh, i wouldn't say he was bad but you know six three and five not what you want from ace baldwin in order to get a win here Burke, what were your thoughts on the Northwestern win over Penn State? Oh, my thoughts were the refs, man. The refs. They that that freaking free throw. Yeah. That he he missed it. He missed it the best possible way you can miss it. That wasn't a lane violation. He timed his race to the rim perfectly, too. Um it and did you that, hear they said they said he stepped in the paint before it hit the yeah. rim? Yeah, no, and then it, yeah, and the it wasn't even line. close. Yeah. It's it's 
It, it, well, no, it, I think it was across the free throw line, but man, he timed it so well that he was in stride heading towards the basket. But even better, the ball, the way it bounced out right to the open shooter. It, they were ready to go for the three that they were looking for. Yeah. And that's just, that just sucks that they didn't get the opportunity to take it. Um, and of course it was at the hands of Northwestern like that, that happens. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, the just end game shenanigans, man. I, I still take it personally that push off boo boo he had on Trey Galloway to seal that win in assembly hall. Like, man, that, that stuff sticks with a guy and, uh, Hey, credit to the Northwestern team. They, they are playing great. Like boo boo. He, he's incredible. He truly is. And, uh, while they do have role players for sure compared to what I mean Chase Aldiz, um, but yeah they they they're putting it together. You said you said they had that stride where they had like thirteen points or so. Fifteen zero um, run they had in the second. Yeah, the yeah. The way that kicked off, man. The the what kicked the brakes on the whole situation that technical to Mike Rhodes. Yeah. That that was gutting as well. Like yeah yeah he threw a like a baby fit on the side, but that's what yeah. coaches do in college basketball. I didn't think it they was pout, they whine, they fit. No, no. Unless, unless, unless you're touching somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, and that, that just hit the skids on everything. Northwestern comes back. And of course, just Penn state was lost until Kanye Cleary was able to finally get the lid back off the bucket. Mm. And, uh, he's pretty good at that. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he is a nice piece they've got there. And then uh yeah, yeah, just uh sorry for Penn State and the way that that ended for you. Yeah. Well, I think Boo Booey is another one of those players like uh, Alec was talking about that you're going to be glad when he plays his last game in your arena because, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's been very good. Uh and I'm not even as high on as some other people are. I think he's a very good player, but uh you know, he's definitely one that's been around for for a long time and, and done some nasty work to a few teams. And it's like, okay, we're, we're going to be glad when you're out of here. <laughs> um, Alec, what were your thoughts on the Northwestern win over Penn state? Yeah. I mean, I, I just hate, I guess as a blanket statement, I hate when players make some really savvy and great plays and the, the, the officials just kind of like look past it and don't see it. it. It always sucks to see. And unfortunate that it happened to Penn state, but yeah, I, Kanye Clary has been int- extremely impressive. I wasn't expecting this from him. Um, but he's been really good so far. And yeah, in my opinion, Boo Booey is kind of like Trey Young, where he's like really good at just getting a little bit of a move to like, you know, he'll lean into the defender a little bit and then I'll, I'll be like, oh no, oh no, I drew a foul. And then they'll, they'll give him a whistle. I, I feel like I see this at least twice a game where he like, you know, he's such a great guy in the paint, especially when he gets his floater. But the way he gets it is, you know, he'll drive in and then stop, give you a little bit of a forearm and then he'll just put up an uncontested floater. But yeah, I mean, what a, what a win for Northwestern. I think they really have some nice guys. Ty Berry, if he can keep hitting threes like this, I think this team has a really good second guy. You know, Langport didn't have the best game, but he's shown that he can stripe it too from the outside. And Brooks Barnheiser is just a go-to guy. Another guy, like you mentioned, these role players that can really play well and, I mean, Northwestern, I think I don't not terribly high on them so far. I don't know if they're one of those top five teams in the conference, but I mean, if they can put together some really good shooting performances, they got a shot. Well, one of the most interesting things about Northwestern is, you know, they start those four guards, Barnheiser, Langborg, Bowie and uh, and Barry. Uh, and really, the guys they bring off the bench are, are forwards and uh, Nicholson, the center. 
Um, so it's really, really interesting when you get into the rotation stuff and, and how this team attacks you. And, uh, when you start off the game that way and then they start subbing and, uh, it really is just a difficult team once they get to sub in and once they start to do their thing, uh, to try and defend. I mean, their guards, you know, Barnheiser played 36 minutes, Barry played 35, Bowie played 36 and then Langborg played 30. So they're in there a lot, but they do switch in and out. And it's interesting to see how those things happen. I think at the end of the day, you know, Penn State, I think Mike Rhodes has a really good future uh, with these guys. Wahab, you know, got some more rebounds in this one, had a double-double, 13 points, 10 uh, rebounds as well. So I think Mike Rhodes has a good team here. I just think, especially in the Big Ten, bringing in as many transfers as he did and kind of resetting your team. Um, I'm not trying to say that, you know, the Big Ten is the toughest conference. I do think it's probably one of the top three. Personally, I put it, I would put it second. Um, but at the end of the day, like the physicality and the playing at the, the, the very tough arenas that it is, um, guys tend to need a season to kind of get used to it before they can get to it. Um, and I think we're going to see that with Penn state. I think this Penn state team is going to come back next year. Uh, and kind of like we were talking about with, uh, Rutgers, Alex, is they're kind of building off this year for next year. And it's kind of looking forward to that a little bit and saying, you know, let's build off what we see that was good here. Moving on from there. Um, Burke, do you have any thoughts about Mike Rhodes and just what he's doing with this Penn State team? Are you high on him? Or are you kind of low on him? What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know, because this, this Penn State team seems so like two different squads at some times. Um. I, I think he'll figure it out. I, I I just I just want Penn State to have a coach they can keep. Like it just seems like a yeah they they just are either terrible enough they get fired or good enough they move on immediately. And uh, here's hoping that uh, they they found a good one with him. I hope they do too because uh, Penn State basketball. I think I think the fans are good over there and I think they are hungry for something like that. So all right, let's move on to. Wisconsin takes down Ohio State at Ohio State. Uh, like I said, the free throws were not the best thing ever. Uh, as we mentioned it a little bit earlier, the Ohio, Stoops, uh, Ohio State Hoops Insider, Wolf. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well <laughs> about this one. Um, listen, I, I, I'm kind of worried. Um, you know, I, I've been talking all year about, like, it's good to see Ohio State doing well, but if we get into the middle of January, uh, we're going to start struggling a little bit, then I'm going to be worried about, you know, a bad run, and um, this was about the time last year when Ohio State's bad run started, and they lost, what, you know, double-digit games and only had one win or something like that there, and, uh, you know, Ohio State needs to correct this. Now, Wisconsin's a really hard team to correct things on, uh, but you can't be dropping... Uh, games to Penn State early on like they did and you can't have the shooting performance that you had against IU earlier this year or last game actually uh, Bruce Thornton was better I felt like Roddy Gale was better but at the end of the day they just couldn't close out the game they were neck and neck all the way through and then once it got to a couple few minutes left uh, Wisconsin started to pull ahead they had a six-point lead and they got five more points after that to put it up by 11 points um, it was it, it shows that Ohio State is still not fixing the things that they need to fix in order to ascend themselves into that top five or four spot in the conference. Uh, they still are probably a top half of the team in the conference, uh, but it will remain to be seen because they need to make these things happen. Alec, what were your thoughts on the Ohio State loss to Wisconsin? 
Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, they look a lot better this year. I think they've just connected so much better, but Wisconsin, they've come out of nowhere. I, I thought they would be a, a fine team, you know, one of those like seven, eight range guy like type of teams. But if, you know, we talked about Purdue earlier, if Purdue kind of loses a couple games here and there, Wisconsin could sneak up on them. But yeah, this Wisconsin team looks really impressive. AJ Store has been so much better than I could have thought coming in from St. John's. He had a great game, 17 points. Uh, Max Klesmet looked really good too, 18 points, really efficient shooting the ball as well. They just got a, they just got some really good guards. You know, Chucky Hepburn hasn't looked the best, but they just got a bunch of guards that can really play and they got experienced guys too, especially after a young team like last year's even wall and Crowell down low are really experienced. And that's what wins in college basketball, especially in these past couple of years with all these guys staying for extra years, fifth, sixth, even seventh year guys. It's the experienced guards. That's what wins in March. So this could be a sneaky good team come March, as long as they keep it together and keep looking and shooting like the way that they are right now. And Ohio state um, it's definitely, it's definitely a bit worrying that some of these uh, problems are still arising, you know, not the best shooting night. Like you mentioned, the free throws, four of 10, not great. Um, but I will say Jameson Battle looks really good again. He abs- I was at the Ohio State Rutgers game. He absolutely crushed us again. I, I He has a vendetta for Rutgers, I feel like, because he did it against Minnesota last year and the year before that. Now he's doing it for Ohio State. Um, but yeah, Thornton and Gale have definitely have clicked a little bit better. Um, I was surprised to see Zed Key coming off the bench. But now you got, you know, Battle and Akpara down low. It feels like that's working a little bit better, especially in the rebounding game as well. Um, I still have a personal vendetta against Zed Key for multiple reasons, but, you know, that's a that's a story for another time. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Ohio State, I feel like, you know, they're down to two or three in the conference by now. I don't know if I'd be worried, but there's definitely some things to turn around. But they've shown that they can really play with some of the best in the conference. I wouldn't be too worried. Wisconsin just looks like one of those teams that they're going to be really good pretty much no matter what. And I think, I don't know if they'll beat Purdue in the big 10 standings, but they have a shot at it for sure. Yeah, no, I think I'm really high on this Wisconsin team, especially after tonight seeing them, uh, you know, go into uh, the shot steam center in Columbus and get that win. Now Ohio state doesn't have the best home arena. I would say it's probably one of the three worst in the big 10, just because the way they built that thing. And uh, you know, the, the students and the uh, people around <laughs> Columbus are not the most energetic uh, there ever is. So uh, it's not the best arena there is, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's your home arena and you have to protect it. And uh, they, they didn't do that tonight. So, um, you know, Burke, are you kind of with Alec here where it's like, you know, don't be concerned. Ohio state's going to write this ship. Or are you kind of like me where it's like, Hey, we've seen this before uh, and we could easily see things go downhill again. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit of both. Um, Cause I feel like there is reason to feel a little bit of both uh, as far as this being the same thing we've seen. This, this is, te- this tends to be how the record goes for Ohio state, which is, it's pretty alarming how similar, similar it is to last year. And uh, it's, it's just, uh, but, but it's happening in a different way where it was the Bryce sense of ball highlight reel audition tape for the NBA before um, they, that, it feels like they have just so many more pieces that are each, producing to their own extent in that this shouldn't be this reoccurring issue. You know what I mean? I, I just feel like because it's not so centrally focused, uh, you should be able to pick it up, pick up some slack here and there across the roster. But man, yeah, it, it's gotta be tough because it it's 
looking like there are plenty of shades that have been seen by Ohio State fans before. Oh, and you just, I mean, you just watched them play. Um, yeah. I mean, when you looked at, because when I look at it, I say, you know, again, I'm going to give full credit to Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is a, is, is a good team, and I'm not trying to compare them to IU and say they're the same team or anything like that. But I am saying, you know, I felt like Ohio State had some of the same struggles in this game that they had against IU, which you expect to happen on the road in a really tough environment in Assembly Hall. But at home, you would expect, you know, some better play. Uh, Bruce Thornton, you know, goes one for five from the three point arc. Roddy Gale goes 0 for four. Jamison Battle goes four for five. But, you know, how good is that really if your other two guards are going one for nine from the three point line? I mean, uh, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it's not sensible, but it is two players who they're really just not not playing really well uh, right now. Not quite the turnovers that they had against Indiana, but still poor shooting. Um, Burke, I'm curious, uh, did you see the similarities between Ohio State playing Wisconsin as you saw with Ohio State playing Indiana or no? No, because I, I don't I don't think you can fairly compare Indiana and Wisconsin right now. They are two entirely different monsters, um, one being very cowardly and timid right now, and the other one, being like I, Alec, do you said that you didn't think that much of this Wisconsin team heading into the season? I, I don't know about if I was, was low JR on them. You said that I, I wasn't terribly high. I on was them. high on. I was high. On oh them. no! I See, I, I I was low on them because I was like, yeah. did you guys not play the same Wisconsin team we played last season? I, well, I didn't know. Yeah, but I just I just felt like they were like, yeah, they're bringing back all this veteran leadership, and it's just like, yeah, but how? talented was that veteran leadership weren't those guys kind of fleshed out in what they were bringing to the court um what was left for them to get but what was left for them to get was store like that dude has changed the the makeup of this entire program it seems with just the identity of drag you down and beat you with experience that that's out the window since this kid got on campus and uh yeah you you can't say that they they played all right today wisconsin is a great team Unfortunately, yeah, it was done on home, so that that definitely hurts. You want to win the ones you can, right? And I think that's just kind of the moral moral of it all. Wisconsin is a very very good team this year. Um, I've said it before; I'll say it again. They they fit their roles, um, and, and everybody does what they need to do. Now, I think it was was it Crow the one that had his knee, or was it Wall that had the knee um, bothering him? I think it Wall was, was think- it Wall. Um, you know, so you, you, you hope that that doesn't, you know, continue because you need the starting lineup to remain intact. They, they do really, really well together. Um, but I think if Wisconsin, far from me to tell Wisconsin to improve in any way, they're, like I said, they're a very good team. But if Connor Asijan for Wisconsin starts doing Connor Asijan things consistently again, watch out for this Wisconsin team because this Wisconsin team could make it. Make a deep run in the NCAA tournament with their experience and with somebody as electric as a Connor Seaton can be to make those things happen. Um, Alec, am I wrong to think that Wisconsin, we could be looking at a Elite Eight, maybe even Final Four team? I don't think you're too far off. I mean, I don't know about that far, but I definitely think this team has the pieces. If everything goes well, they could definitely make the second weekend because you know they just have they. I, I said this before; they have some really good guards that you know, they've been battle tested so far. It's this isn't the usual Wisconsin team where they're going to try to grind it out. They're not going to shoot a ton of shots. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're just going to like grind. They're they're going to win it on defense like Rutgers does all the time. 
this is a team that can really fly high and really put up points on the scoreboard. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with AJ store coming in and giving some of these other guys a good role to follow. And I, I really do think that they can make a deep run. If things, if things fall their way in the bracket, or if they get hot at the right time, this team could go far. I've been really impressed with them. Yeah, I am too. I am too. And I'm jealous of them because I wish my team was as good as Wisconsin's team is, but. You know, it is what it is. Enjoy it, Greg Gard and everybody else. I remember last year when Wisconsin fans were, you know, vying for Greg Gard to be fired. <laughs> that you don't wish that now. So Yeah, he's giving you the most exciting basketball they've gotten to watch in probably 30 years. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, moving on from there, we're going to get into some game previews now. Our first one we're going to preview is Michigan and Maryland. Burke, you and I were talking about this one a little bit before we got on. There is a very interesting situation here if you don't know what's going on. Uh, basically, Doug McDaniel is not allowed to leave campus. Uh, he is, you know, uh, being homeschooled right now. Uh, it's one of those classic situations where uh, mom says, get your grades up and then you can go play with your friends, uh, but you're not leaving the house. Um, you know, obviously it's much different than that, but Doug McDaniel is apparently struggling with his, with his academic right now and uh it's a weird situation i don't think i've ever heard of it before you guys tell me if i'm wrong but uh you know he can only play home games he can't travel um so he won't be able to play in this one and i'm not really sure what michigan is is going to be able to do to combat that i mean we look at doug mcdaniel you know he's not the only piece to this offense this is still a very good offense you know um what the, the he's half transfer. of the only pieces of this I mean, offense right right he's, he's <laughs> a good amount still what's the tennessee transfers name I can't olivia nokomwa nokomwa yeah i still can't yeah. pronounce it very well but i mean he's still a very good offensive player as well and has been impactful for this team but i still think a lot of what doug mcdaniel does is what creates for it and maryland i mean as much as people thought they might have been you know a, a good offensive team this year they just not been it's really been their defense that has been better for them this year. If you look down there, uh, 28th and Kid Palm for them. So, uh, Burke, you tell me, uh, are we confident in Maryland in this one because of Daniel being out? Uh, what do we no. think Michigan's going to do without you him? You can't be I, confident I, in Maryland in any situation yeah. right now. <laughs> I, I was so high on this Maryland team, and they just they proved me to be a phony, dude. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, it, you can't you can't trust either of these teams. It's it's this is this game is truly a very movable object coming in contact with a very stoppable force. So, so, so I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So I guess just just who do you think is going to win then? Uh, who do I think? I think Jameer Young wins this game. <laughs> I I don't think Maryland wins this game. I don't think Michigan wins this game. I think Jameer Young wins this game Jameer because Young. whoever they are going to have taking Doug McDaniel's minutes. Do we even know who gets the majority of those? Because he has been on the floor for the entirety of these games. I was was looking up in Ken Palm to see if there was anything, uh, and there's not a whole lot in Ken Palm that would suggest what they're going to do. Yeah, and and if whatever they throw out there is worse at defense than he was, like, which, I mean, if if they were better at defense, they probably would have found a spot on the starting lineup by now. So it's it's going to be a tough day for that Michigan backcourt down the best piece of that team. Yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, so Maryland via Jameer Young doing it all because again, like I said, I I just could not believe Julian Reese it went oh zero points in that Purdue game. Just crazy. Yeah. 
That that I cannot believe that he was a preseason like favorite to be a Big Ten like all type guy. I mean, he's been excellent on defense this year, um, which has been what's been helping them with their defensive rating. But uh, yeah, he's not been the offensive player that they that they hoped he would be. So, um, Alec, what are your thoughts on the Michigan and Maryland game? Yeah, uh, this is going to be it's probably going to be one of the worst games that I will be watching. Because I I don't I agree with Burke. Uh, Jameer Young is going to win this game, and, and and nobody else. I mean, this Maryland team just cannot shoot for the life of them. Michigan is like you know they're not a bad defensive team, but they're not. They're actually they, they never mind. No, they're bad. Um, but Doug McDaniel has been a spark for all the action that they do because he's a quick and small guard that's been able to really get downhill and you know use some of his use some of his skill set. I mean. I don't really know who's going to replace him. I mean, Jalen Llewellyn, I haven't really paid too much attention to Michigan so far. Will we see him? Maybe. He hasn't really played all that much coming off that torn ACL. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I was look, trying to look at Ken Palm to see who would take over a lot of his minutes because, I mean, if you look at if you look at the team page, he's the only guy listed as a major contributor. The next highest guy is Olivier Nakumwa, who is a sig- significant contributor. Right. So it's going to be tough. Namari Burnett's going to have a lot on his shoulders at the other guard spot to try to do something. Um, but I, I think I think it's going to be Jalen Llewellyn. We're going to see what he can do. This is going to be an ugly game. I'm with Burke. I think uh, I think Jameer Young wins this game. He puts up another 20-plus performance. I think there's, there's probably going to be like one other guy from Maryland that even puts up 10. I think we're looking at like a, a 60 to 50. Or I'll, nah, I'll go with like a 68-61 game, but like an ugly 68-61 game. Where like nobody feel even even if Maryland wins, they don't feel particularly good about it either. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could see uh, Jameer Young just kind of having his way with this one. Um, I the the Ken Palm prediction is seventy one to sixty nine Maryland. Um, I I don't know if Ken Palm has adjusted for Doug McDaniel being out, but uh, I, I mean, I completely. I completely agree. I think, you know, Burnett, is he going to be able to take over as the guard to help in this situation? Uh, he's definitely not going to be able to do what Doug McDaniel has done this season for Michigan. Um, I, I think it's hilarious to listen to Greg Waddell over on Sleeper Media talk about <laughs> Doug McDaniel because he's just like in love with him over there. And, and you know, like I, every time I listen to him for good reason, because he's been one of the only bright spots on this Michigan team. Um, Burke, I want to talk about the coaches for a minute before we move on. Oh, uh, we, boy. We have Juwan Howard, who obviously has had Do we? You know, a crazy season. I don't know. He might let Phil Martelli <laughs> coach. We don't know. Not uh, for yeah. long. Do we have Juwan? Yeah, it's it's that, crazy. They're not in Philadelphia, so I think he will be coaching. Um, but obviously, Juwan Howard and then Kevin Willard, which I know – the turtle heads are not happy with him at all uh, in this one. And it's not looking like he's had the best coaching season so far this year. I mean, <clears throat> at the end of the day, who do you trust more in this matchup? Do you trust a Kevin Willard more? Do you trust a Juwan Howard more? I'm curious your thoughts on the coaching matchup here, Burke. Oh, I mean, this is just two of the most down bad programs there are right now. And uh, like I said, the, it like very movable object and very stoppable force. Like that is the, their coaches personified right now. Uh, I don't know what is going on in Michigan. It, it, it seems like they are doing this on purpose as a social study in 
how their fans will react to what decisions are being made by the AD, what what messages are being sent like to their fan base. And uh it, it, dude, I I don't I can't ex- explain what is happening in Michigan. Just Juwan giving up the spot after he had been in the heat for like this entire month. Um it's just so bizarre, but it's so interesting and I'm going to watch the hell out of this like a car crash, man. It's going to be awesome. Like a car crash. Uh, and if you are wondering to yourself, well, why are they down so bad? Maryland's 11 and three and Michigan's nine and six. I, I had typoed the, uh, the standings there. My apologies. Uh, Michigan is six and nine and Maryland is no, but who, who do I trust more? They're nine and six. So who, yeah, who, who do I trust, trust more? more? It's, it, uh, it's begrudgingly, uh, Willard just because they're at Maryland. Um, of course, like, I saw in the last game against a number one opponent, they had 14,000 in attendance, which I mean, maybe there was the same storms. Was that, that could have played a, storm. a factor. I think it was the students weren't there. Ah, oh, but even then, man, it's the number one team in the country. Right. That's crazy. And, uh, and I, I do feel a kindred like spirit with them because like, I, I think they would identify majority as a basketball fan base, as mm-hmm. opposed to football. If and, you look at their uh, football crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it and uh yeah, just having that many seats when you empty when you have the number one team in the country visiting, that is that's absurd to me. Yeah. Well, pray for the Michigan fans who are starting to pay attention to uh basketball. Oh my now. god. <laughs> <laughs> they, they uh football season's over and it was great season for Michigan, but uh I feel I have a feeling there's gonna be some Michigan fans who go over to basketball and they're like, Ew, what's going on? Over Where's there? Hunter Dickinson? <laughs> I know that'd be me if I was, you know, if my Ohio State Buckeyes were having the season, I'd come over to Ohio State and be like, ew, what's going on? <laughs> this yeah. is not what we thought. <laughs> uh, Alec, real quick, same question to you. Who who in this coaching matchup do you tend to trust more, Juwan Howard, Kevin Willard? Uh, what are your thoughts? I would say Willard at least a little bit less begrudgingly than Burke, only because I've seen the guy coach in the Big East for about a decade now at Seton Hall. I saw, I've seen this guy up close a lot when he's been coaching the pirates and he's at least a steady presence, you know, not a overly high or low, but he's steady. Um, and there's not a ton of confidence right now with Maryland, but you know, I, there's a, you feel like things aren't going to completely fly off the rails, even if they have sort of completely flown off the rails, but Willard will never let it feel like that. Even if he will give you some, you know, a little backhanded notes in the, in, in the press conferences after the fact, Michigan is uh, flown off the rails. They have crash landed on the ground after flying off of said rails. Um, I there I have never seen uh, a weirder week for a basketball program where I, the whole season, like you know, Jawan underwent open heart surgery, which is obviously no joke. You know, props to him for coming back, still wanting to come back to his team. But then you give up the head coaching spot to your assistant coach, who was the head coach before because he's back in the arena that he used to coach in. Um, it just felt like a soft launch of firing Jawan Howard. I don't know who si- Jawan signed off on it. Sure. I don't know why. Um, and then your best player is suspended due to academic issues, but only for home games. I mean, one would assume he spends a lot of time doing basketball things at, at home as well at Michigan. It's, I don't, it just feels like there's never any accountability in that program for like anything. 
And it, it like their best, like I'll finish it off with this. Like their best player right now is on basketball house arrest. That's what this program has devolved into. It's, it's shocking. <laughs> I mean, there was accountability there when John Beeline was there, but you know, ever since he's gone, doesn't look like, doesn't look like it as much. So, um, all right. Well, those are our thoughts on that game. Michigan State and Illinois. So a quick update on Terrence Shannon Jr. If you've not been following that whole saga, uh, Brad Underwood had an interview, I think it was earlier today, uh, where he said there's no change in anything right now. Obviously, there are the rumors that he's going to sue uh, Illinois, which will give him a temporary restraining order. So that way he'll be able to play. Uh, While that does look like that will happen at some point, if not, it's already happened. I'm not kept up too closely on that uh brad underwood has said that he will not be playing in this game as of right now so i guess there could be something that changes tomorrow but i find it hard to believe that terrence shannon jr would just show up to the team and all of a sudden be you know playing the exact same minutes he was so even if he does play probably not going to play you know exactly the same as he was and uh quite frankly Underwood's been doing a good job without him. Uh, I know they lost to Purdue, but uh, Domask has been very, very good. I think Luke Goody has been a good insertion into the lineup. Coleman Hawkins has been doing well on both ends of the court. Uh, could do a little bit less whining. You know, we talked about that last podcast, but, uh, you know, he's he's a passionate guy, and, and I appreciate that in players, so I, I can't always be mad about it. Alec, what are your thoughts, uh, Illinois and Michigan State, tipping off tomorrow night? Yeah, I really do think Illinois is going to, even if it's, you know, I, is it, it's at Michigan State. Am I, that's right, right? Uh, yeah, I think I mixed it up there. Okay. No, it's at I, I was, okay, okay, cool. Then I just mixed it up. But yeah, I mean, Illinois playing at home, even if it was at the Breslin Center, I would say that Illinois is going to win this game. I really think they're playing really well right now, even without their star. Uh, like you mentioned, Domask has been a, a, a star coming into this team. I think he can carry the load. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, if he can, yeah, he just got to tighten some things up, but I think he, he he has a chance to look really good too. And I just don't think Michigan State has the firepower to keep up with a you know a Domask and a and, and a Coleman Hawkins and even a Quincy Garrier can start get going from the floor. I, I think this Illinois team has looked pretty connected without Terrence Shannon, and whether he does come back or he doesn't come back, I, I think this team is going to look pretty good against Michigan State. Um, the Spartans, there's just not a whole lot going on right now. Even I, I feel like Tom Izzo, like we just saw Nick Saban retire earlier today. I think Tom Izzo is going to be the surprise retirement of this offseason. That's my hot take, you know, blazing hot, all that. I, I think Tom Izzo might be the surprise retirement this offseason. It just, I, I think this Michigan State team can still win a game or two in the tournament, but it doesn't feel like it has the same juice. And as I say that, they're going to bring Rutgers in the Breslin Center and beat them by 20. So that could come back to bite me. But yeah, I, I think Illinois is going to win this game fairly easily. Um, but it, I, not fairly easily as in they're going to win by 15. I think it's going to be they're going to get a lead and they're going to stay ahead no matter what kind of push Michigan State gives because there's still a talent. It just doesn't feel like the same Michigan State team of years past. Um, but yeah, I, I think Illinois is going to win this game. Well, at Michigan State just doesn't have the strong defense down low like they've, you know, had in the past. Uh, you know, I was looking into a player uh, like Xavier Tillman earlier today uh, and just what he was always able to do for Michigan State. You know, really that defensive presence down low. Uh, and they just don't have a guy like that. You know, they've been called soft this year. They've been called, you know, basically every every word in the book that, you know, would make you question 
are they playing, you know, to the highest degree, degree possible? Uh, and I would see, say even the fans that I've talked to, no, they feel like they're not. They feel like Tyson Walker doesn't have the most help. A.J. Hogard isn't exactly who he needs to be. Uh, now, the last five games for Michigan State, they've been very good. They are averaging nearly 23 rebounds or rebounds, 23 assists per game. That's amazing, kind of unheard of in the last five games. So they've been really good there. They've been rebounding the ball pretty well defensive rebounds they're uh 28 rebounds a game there so i mean they're doing a good job these last five games but i kind of just feel like illinois is just a really darn good basketball team and it's at home for them and uh you know while i do think time Izzo has been the better coach throughout his career um i think brad underwood's just cooking a little bit more this season and i can see brad underwood possibly out coaching tom Izzo in this game especially at home uh burke what are your thoughts on the michigan state illinois game uh my thoughts are it's this will be one in the front court uh coleman hawkins will need to perform uh if it's talent versus talent i'm taking damask and uh illinois backcourt then michigan state or then Walker in Michigan State right now. That being said, like Tyson Walker, he could solo this game. He could solo any game, any given night. Right. And uh, he might honestly be due to do just that. But um, yeah, as far as just what they're bringing to the front court, like Illinois performed very well against Purdue. And that was a Purdue team that sank Edie off of uh, Ty Rogers. Just let uh, Edie operate down low. And uh, if, if that's the key to beating this Illinois team, if, if Michigan State tries to follow that method, like the the free hunting, Matt Mati Sissoko doesn't scare me nearly as much as uh, Zach Edie, free hunting Zach Edie would. So I, I think this Illinois team would be ready for anything Michigan State has to uh, throw up against them defensively, at least. Yeah, um, I'm looking at CBB Analytics, which I forgot to do the ad for that earlier. CBB Analytics, go check them out. They're a very good resource that they allow us to have a free pro tier, so that way we can tell you about it. And I want to make sure I actually tell you about it since I forgot to say it earlier. But uh, when I look on CBB Analytics, like I said, the last five games have been really good for Michigan State. Uh, they are in the 100th percentile in their offensive rating. Uh, well, so is Illinois. Illinois has an offensive rating of 131, and Michigan State has an offensive rating of 127. And they're both in the 100th percentile uh, for teams in the last five games that they've played. So I, I would not be surprised to see an offensive affair here. I would not be surprised to see at least one of these teams get up above 80, maybe both at some point. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I agree with you, Burke. I think it's it comes down to the front court. You know, is Coleman Hawkins going to be able to be that defensive press? presence down low he's not quite got the blocks this season as he normally has and that's kind of you know team scheming a little bit more to bring him out to the perimeter he's still a very good defender uh, he's just kind of not down low making those blocks as much this season as he normally is but I still like Illinois in this game I think they're going to come away with the win like I said earlier you know Brad Underwood and that kind of stuff but ultimately like you know they're just the more talented team. They're the team that's gelling a little bit more right now. Uh, and ultimately, they're, the, they're just the team I trust more. Um, and so we'll see hey, cred, if I'm credit. right. But, or go ahead, Bert. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, credit to them for being able to trust, like being able to trust them as much as we can right now. I, I really thought after the Terrence Shannon thing, much like you're like, is this the same Ohio State? 
I thought that that Terrence Shannon moment was like, oh, this is exactly the same Illinois. Right. Like they are due for a tailspin, and this will be the same season as was the last, as was the one before. Um, that isn't the case. These guys are banded together around Underwood, and they're uh, playing some damn good ball. They are. And, and you know, I said going into the season that my biggest concern with Illinois was consistency, and I didn't know if I could trust them game in and game out. So that takes a lot for me to say here that I trust Illinois. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is Brad Underwood has just done a really good job coaching this team this year. Um, after losing Terrence Shannon Jr., it would have been really, really easy for this team to just, you know, nosedive and start playing for themselves and panic and get stressed out. I don't feel like they're doing that, though. I, You know, I can be a little critical on Brad for playing Ty Rogers and Dane Danger as much as he did against Purdue uh, in times when Zach E.D. was on the floor, and I felt like it just wasn't a good matchup. But at the end of the day, um, he's done a really good job this season coaching this team, not only in games, but also it seems like off the court getting them ready. So, um, Alec, are you with me? Do you think Brad Underwood has just been a much better coach this season? Do you think maybe it's, you know, maybe it's fool's gold right now and they'll kind of come back to maybe some of that inconsistent play that we've seen before? Uh, what are your thoughts on Illinois? Yeah, I mean, if they're without Terrence Shannon for extended periods of time, I don't think they'll keep up this level of production. I think they will fall off at least at some point. But yeah, I think I think Underwood's doing a really great job. He's scheming up some really good stuff, especially with Domosk. He's such a great player. Offensively, can just produce at such a high level. And I, I really think he's doing a great job. I, if they don't get Shannon back soon, I think they will have a couple of games where they slide back a little bit. But for now, I mean, things are looking really good. and it's going to come up to March once again, because he's had the regular season success over and over with guys with like with Kofi and Ayadisumu. Uh, it's just the March success that has not gotten there yet. And if he can, if he can string together some wins in March, then I'll feel a lot better about Illinois and Brett Underwood. But I, I that's what it's just going to come up to. Um, and if they, if they're without Shannon, I don't feel as confident, but if they do get him back at some point, then sky's the limit for this team, I think. Isn't that what just what it seems to come down to for every Big Ten team? It's like, see what you do in March. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's just been like the story of this conference, man. Uh, Burke, you look like you want to say something. You no, say I was just going to say, uh, building on that, how you, how you were saying, uh, it, it is pretty strange. How you, you do expect them to take a little dip, and that, that's understandably because they're playing their mind, they're playing out of their minds right now. But, but that is a testament to Underwood and himself, like a dip after that, you would think that that dip would come right out of the gate while they were trying to find a way to gel without the guy that they, they have all been gelling around. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, credit to what he's been doing this season as a head coach. Totally. Makes a guy really jealous. Totally agree. I hope Sonny is watching this episode. So he knows. Uh, I love love Mike Woodson, by the way, (laughs) just going to say, I love him to death. Yeah. Yeah. But God Uh, knows it was a bad one. (laughs) Um, that's all I have for the Michigan <laughs> State game. You guys got anything else before we uh, get out of here? Nope. All right. Nope. Well, I don't got anything else. Sounds Late good. One, Thank you, everybody. But... Uh, whether you're watching live or you caught this afterward, we appreciate you. Thank you to Burke and Alec for coming on here. Go check out their podcast, Pike's Place for Alec and Often Daunted for Burke. Uh, of course, IU and Rutgers stuff over there. Appreciate both of them. Appreciate you being here. Have a great night and see you later. Alec, we're coming. The rack. Never again, dude. I said it. I say it every year, but never again. <laughs>